harvesting RDP credentials on the Darknet marketplace for three bucks a shot. And DHS gets a report card on how well it shares cyber threat data. These stories and more coming up in the ISFG Security Report. Hello, I'm Eric Chabro. We start off today's security report with a look at remote desktop protocol. RDP allows administrators to remotely manage PCs and mobile devices, but weak RDP credentials are being widely circulated on the dark web and are being used by ransomware attackers. To discuss vulnerabilities of RDP credentials, I'm joined by Data Breach Today Executive Editor Matthew Schwartz. Hi, Matt. Hi, Eric. Before we get into the vulnerabilities posed by weak RDP credentials, take a few moments to tell us what is RDP. Remote Desktop Protocol is designed to help IT departments remotely administer computers. It gives them a graphical user interface. So they will run a server that has RDP server software installed in it. And then any client that they want to connect with will have RDP client software on it. How are hackers exploiting RDP credentials? It's extremely useful for anyone who might want to do anything nefarious with a computer because they too can have full remote graphical access to a computer and do anything that the authenticated user is allowed to do. If you have endpoints running RDP software with weak passwords or passwords that can be guessed or brute force hacked by attackers, it potentially gives them a way into the enterprise. How are organizations being harmed by these RDP credential exploitations? Well, one measure of the degree to which this is a problem is that multiple underground cybercrime darknet marketplaces sell RDP credentials to organizations for as little as $3. According to one study from threat intelligence firm Flashpoint, the $3 will get you a Windows XP endpoint running RDP. Then that price will go up to maybe $8 for a Windows 2012 server. And you might pay a little bit more if the RDP credential is fresh, if it's been harvested in the last five hours, or if, if it has some other interesting looking open ports that could be of use to the attacker, up to a maximum value of $15 per endpoint. Any organization that has a vulnerable RDP endpoint could potentially have seen that endpoint get harvested by attackers and bought and sold widely on darknet marketplaces. That's concerning because it gives attackers a way to infiltrate a network. They could potentially steal data, look around, conduct reconnaissance, see what they get. If it's a really interesting, juicy target, they might sell access to that to somebody else who's interested in that kind of intellectual property. And then when everyone's done, as a parting gift, they might infect everything that they can touch with ransomware. Are you aware of any uh, breaches that use this exploit? Security experts tell me that from later 2015, the use of RDP to spread ransomware attacks really began to increase. Now, this isn't just ransomware of the self-perpetuating kind that you get via a phishing attack or via email. This can also be highly manual ransomware attacks where someone gains access to an endpoint, uses it to pivot into the network, gains administrator access to file shares, and then might run open source tools like GPG, which is an open source version of PGP, to go in and manually themselves lock anything that looks interesting. Do we know who's behind selling these uh, compromised credentials? They're available on multiple darknet marketplaces. There's one called Xdetic, which appears to have been compiled by a threat actor called Xdetic. It's not clear if that's one person or a group. There's another darknet marketplace site called UAS for Ultimate Anonymity Services. They too sell these kinds of credentials, but they are widespread and there's no single actor. The credentials could be easily harvested using automated tools. 
using botnets and searching for any open RDP endpoints and pummeling them with dictionary attacks, just attempting to brute force guess what the credentials might be. Security experts tell me that attackers will let these tools run overnight. They'll make their coffee in the morning, get a piece of toast, come down and look at the logs and see what they've got and then proceed accordingly. They might hack in directly or they might sell the information to others. Is it hard to defend against these RDP credential exploitations? No. What you want to do to lock these down is to ensure that all endpoints that have RDP client software on them or servers are using strong and complex passwords. This will help block brute force attacks. You also need to be watching for any unusual network behavior or access attempts. You can, for example, set up a script to alert IT administrators when there are multiple failed attempts to log on to these endpoints. You can also change the port that's used by RDP to complicate efforts by attackers to automatically harvest all of these RDP endpoints. You also need to have a regular look at the enterprise to make sure that none of these RDP ports have suddenly come open without your knowledge, that someone hasn't brought a system in and misconfigured it. Ideally, you can also be using two-factor authentication to enable any remote access to any RDP endpoint. That, too, will lock this down and prevent attackers from harvesting them. Thanks, Matt. Thank you, Eric. We'll be back with the ISMG Security Report after this message. ISMG's Healthcare Security Summit will take place November 14th and 15th in New York City. Keynote address will be provided by Jim Ralph, Chief Security Officer, Aetna Global Security, followed by other industry-leading CISOs from organizations like Blue Cross Blue Shield, New York Presbyterian, Hospital for Special Surgery, and more. Visit events.ismg.io and register today. Welcome back. Loads of data from a large number of security breaches have been assembled into a single place and is being made available on the internet. ISMG Security and Technology Editor Jeremy Kirk characterizes these actions as notable because of the extensive amount of data being culled. Here's Jeremy's explanation. Malaysian authorities are investigating a sweeping data breach that included more than 46 million mobile phone records, a job seeker website's database, and records from several national medical organizations. The Malaysian Communications and Multimedia Commission, which is a government regulator, has identified possible sources of the data breach with help from police. Bryce Bolin, FireEye's CTO for Asia-Pacific, tells me that the breach is likely the largest one in Malaysia to ever become public. Bolin says it likely impacts every person in Malaysia, or at minimum, a very large subset. The data includes 46.2 million mobile phone records from a dozen operators and mobile virtual operators. Malaysia's population is around 31 million people, suggesting that multiple records for the same people were compromised. Lowyet.net, the technology news site that broke the story, says the phone records contain customer addresses, prepaid and postpaid phone numbers, and SIM card information, including IMEI and IMSI numbers. The publication stumbled across the data in mid-October after being alerted that someone had posted it for sale for one Bitcoin in one of its own forums. The data was also available for free in another forum. Lowyet.net's scoop caused a kerfuffle. After it published a story, the communications regulator ordered that the publisher remove the advertisement for the data from its forums, which it did. But then the regulator ordered the publisher to remove the entire news story. After at least one human rights group criticized the order, the regulator allowed the publisher to put the story back online. Troy Hunt, an Australian data breach expert, obtained the job seeker data from a hidden website, or one hosted using the Tor anonymity system. 
He's now loaded the leaked email addresses into Have I Been Pwned, which is his data breach notification service. Hunt says he had access to the other leaked data, but chose only to put the job seeker information into his service. It was around 4 million email addresses. Hunt says the Malaysian breach is notable in that an extensive amount of data from so many different sources was collated in one place. Also unique is that someone posted the data for free while somebody else attempted to sell it. Malaysia doesn't have a mandatory breach notification law, but due to the publicity around the breach, it may be difficult for those affected to not directly notify consumers. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Jeremy Kirk. You're listening to the ISMG Security Report on ISMG Radio. ISMG, your number one source for information security news. Finally, the Department of Homeland Security's Inspector General on Monday made public its biannual report to Congress on the steps DHS has taken to share cybersecurity information. The IG gave DHS a mixed review on sharing cyber threat information. On the positive side, the IG says DHS has developed adequate policies to capably share cyber threat indicators and defensive measures and has used cyber threat indicator and defensive measures to mitigate potential threats. But, and there's always a but, the IG says DHS faces challenges to effectively share cyber threat information across the federal government and with the private sector. DHS emphasizes timeliness, velocity, and volume in sharing cyber threat information. However, as the IG points out, it doesn't provide the quality, contextual data needed to effectively defend against ever-evolving threats. Without acquiring a cross-domain information processing solution and automated tools, the IG says DHS cannot analyze and share threat information in a timely manner. The IG made a series of recommendations to improve information sharing, in part by acquiring technology needed for cross-domain sharing and automated analysis of cyber threat data, as well as to enhance outreach to promote DHS's information sharing program. DHS concurred with the recommendations. The IG report is timely. On Wednesday, the Senate Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs Committee will hold confirmation hearings on Kirsten Nielsen to be the next Homeland Security Secretary. That's the ISMG Security Report. Our theme is by Ithaca Audio. I'm Eric Chabro. Catch you next time. <laughs>